0: Now, let's get on with the show.
1: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Compliance Conversations. I am CJ Wolf with Healthicity, and I'm excited to, to have this episode today. I think a lot of, a lot of our listeners are going to find this interesting as well. Uh, my guest is Steve Naughton. Welcome, Steve.
0: Thank you, uh, CJ. Nice to talk to you.
1: Nice to have you. And And today's topic, everybody, is we're going to talk a little bit about some formal compliance education programs, and you know things that might help your career advance in the compliance field. And and Steve has some expertise there. And um, Steve, we love it when our guests take a moment to introduce themselves. And you know, none of us grows up thinking, hmm, how can I end up in a compliance career? None of us knows about it. And uh, we'd love to hear your path a little bit on, on how you've
0: gotten there. Sure, that, that's great. I, I I did hear one of, one of the old saws at the uh, at some of these uh, compliance conventions was that we now know what uh, school crossing guards grow up to be. So I thought that was a pretty <laughs> funny <fitting> line. <laughs> I, I did not start out uh, my career thinking that I would be a compliance officer. And matter of fact, when I started my career many years ago, I'm not sure that compliance was even in the, glint in the eye of uh, of Congress or any of the congressional uh, um, uh, committees. I am a, right. I'm a I'm a lawyer by trade uh, I came out of law school at Notre Dame um, where I went to work at a, a firm here in uh, Chicago met my wife Nancy um, and uh, one of us had to had to leave the firm by our choice not by hers and uh, I moved on to another firm Pope Ballard Shepherd and Fowl, a grand old firm in Chicago that uh, uh, made it to 98 years and then I was uh, then I was elected partner and literally at the meeting that i was supposed to attend to to come in as a partner uh, there was a vote to dissolve the firm, firm. so that was uh, that was that was my that was my claim to fame but uh, it actually opened uh, it actually opened a couple of different doors which was terrific i i went from there uh to become an in-house lawyer at uh, the Quaker Oats company here yeah. in chicago um led their um litigation group and uh, did a good amount of uh business and corporate work uh, in-house for for Quaker and Quaker was purchased by Pepsi okay. in 2001 and that's when I went over I, I made the move with the rest of the legal team at uh, Quaker from um, being in-house for Quaker to being in-house at Pepsi and within within a couple years of that uh, the legendary Larry Thompson was uh, the the general counsel became the general counsel at Pepsi and said, hey, we're really looking to stand up a, a, a compliance group, an independent compliance group. We actually had a couple of people that were working in that group and said, would you like to to move over to that? And I, I did. And I served as Pepsi's chief compliance officer for, I think, the better part of about eight years. Wow. Um, yeah. And I was uh, I commuted back and forth from Chicago to uh, purchase New York um, and had the had the great pleasure and honor of working for Larry, who uh, many of the listeners may recognize that name as the as the author of the Thompson memo and really one of the one of the to me, if you're going to have a um, a Mount Rushmore of compliance officers or com- compliance figures, Larry would be on that uh, list. A terrific supporter of compliance. Yeah. Uh, nice. <laughs> yeah, and then I moved over to to litigation, where I was uh, head of Pepsi's litigation group for. I don't know about a year and a half and decided I really wanted to get back into compliance again and uh, moved up to um, um, took a job and uh, um, went up to uh, Kimberly Clark and I was Kimberly Clark's chief compliance officer for I guess the three three and a half years and then uh, from there from there I went back and worked for Larry Thompson again who became the monitor on the Volkswagen case
1: okay interesting
0: yeah and so he was on the Volkswagen case and I was his on his team for three years, um, a monitor ship that came in on time and came in under budget, which doesn't happen very often for for right. the, uh, particularly a monitor ship that size. And then after that, I uh, um, started working. I'm now the um, I am now the director of regulatory compliance studies at Loyola University Law School here in Chicago. And I also do have a consulting practice. I work with a gentleman, uh, Mike Volkoff. The Volkoff Law Group um, and do work basically in compliance and investigations with uh, with Mike, but uh, my primary job is uh, as the the director of regulatory compliance studies at Loyola Law School.
1: Yeah, that's so it's so great. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and you know, Steve and I have kind of a Chicago connection. We both grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. You mentioned Quaker Oats. My, I had uh, grandparents and, and family that lived in the city. And we would drive in on, uh, I guess that's the Kennedy Freeway. And there was that big Quaker Oats building right off of the the, the freeway. Yep. I always remember that as a kid.
0: <laughs> yep, exactly right. Yep. So we, uh, it, uh, Quaker had a terrific uh, uh, history here in Chicago and uh, obviously in the Midwest as well. And Quaker is still part of uh, Pepsi. You can get your Quaker products, including Gatorade and others, uh, still that's been true. sold. Awesome.
1: That's awesome. And and for our listeners, the, the reason we are really excited, it sounds like we could have multiple uh episodes with Steve and all of his experience <laughs> in different areas. But what we wanted to focus on today a little bit was his current role. Um, you know, comp- and he even mentioned it, Steve. You mentioned that, you know, compliance wasn't even, you know, it's a relatively young profession, right? And 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 so you don't go to school to become a compliance officer, but maybe now you do. (laughs) Maybe now you can. So can you just tell us a little bit about um, the program there at Loyola? What kind of people take, you know, who's it designed for? You know, what's the length? What, you know, are there different levels? Tell us a little bit about the program there.
0: That's a that's a terrific uh, question, CJ. And uh, and yes now you can go to school to become a compliance officer or an ethics and ethics and compliance officer if that's uh, something that you're interested in it's a, it's a, it's a, an industry and a field that really has become more of a discrete field uh, or discrete discipline i should say over the last 10 years it really has been around since the mid 90s and boy it's really grown in the last last few so Loyola is one of several law schools in the United States that offers um, um, various compliance tracks, and I'll talk about uh, Loyola's, which I think is uh, is the best in the country, but I'm I'm biased. But <laughs> DJ, to your to your point, it's a great great point. It's it there are different programs for for different levels, different uh, interest areas. Um, the 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 first of which. Is we do have a program for a masters in jurisprudence, but there's an, an, an MJ. Somebody okay. that does not have a law degree decides, gee, I, I really like to go on and advance my career, or I'm interested in compliance. How do how do I do that? And we have, you know, people that are directors in companies or, or managers in companies, paralegals others who may look at it and say, I, I, I want to I have more knowledge, but I don't want to necessarily get a law degree. And so right. that's, a that's a two-year program. You need to do a thesis or a capstone at the end. But it's terrific, terrific background. I could tell you many of the students I've been at Loyola now for three years um, have really benefited from it and have moved up in their organizations. And I know a few that uh, either have become or are on the step of becoming a chief compliance officer, which by the way, CJ, to your question, I think was a really good one. You no longer need to be a lawyer to to right. to be a chief compliance officer. Matter of fact, the industry is kind of moving, well, maybe not away from that, but you, you see that that that's not always the rule. Um, right. The second group that we have um, is for the JD JD students themselves. So Loyola has a couple different um, programs for JDs, obviously full-time, and then they have a weekend student program. So you want to come in and you want to become a lawyer and you want to sit for the bar, that's the JD program. Well, you could come in and you can get a um, – we don't provide the certificates, but we we provide the, the, the opportunity after you go through our pro- program to sit for a certificate um, through one of the different groups, like the SCCE okay. um, Corporate Compliance Board, the CCB is the is our accreditor. So you go in and right. you take that test afterwards. We have we have a good number of lot uh, of the of the JD students who do that as well as t- taking the bar exam, um, so that you get uh, um, you get the CCEP um, uh, credentials after you do that, and then the final group are is the LLM. Uh, program and the LLM is an advanced degree for somebody who's got the underlying law degree, got the underlying JD degree. That's a two-year program. It's uh, probably um, it's probably I would think a little more uh, um, um, uh, disciplined and, and, and certainly a little more in depth than the the MJ program. Uh, my wife, who is now uh, the president um, and actually uh, general counsel the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab, she's a graduate of the LLM program here in Loyola. And it's it's one, it's terrific, terrific program. It really, I think really helps people that have uh, interests in different um, focus areas, including compliance, uh, enterprise risk management, um, healthcare. We have a healthcare law, um, uh, LLM, and it's done really, really well, not only in Chicago, but nationwide. Uh, for Loyola. So that's that's the other part of the program, too. So they're really kind of three tracks, if you will.
1: Yeah. And that's great uh, background information because, uh, Steve, you know, our listeners, predominantly healthcare folks, but, um, you know, some are lawyers. And like you said, you know, we. I, that's why I always ask the question at the beginning, how do you end up in compliance? Because people end up in compliance, especially in healthcare, from many different paths. You know, I come from a clinical background, like, um, we have people yeah. who come from like accounting and auditing backgrounds. We have people from law. We have, you know, so you have all these different backgrounds. And that's why I think these types of programs that you've described, of course, the, the two that you described for, for those who want the, you know, the formal legal track is is wonderful. Um, and it sounds like the MJ might be a good option for people who, you know, are really interested in compliance and And but maybe they don't want to do that, that full uh, legal route. Uh, Let me ask, is that MJ, is that a in-person type of program? Tell us a little bit more about that. How I think you said two years and um, what's the mechanics of it?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And um, our program is primarily online. We do offer a few classes uh, for folks that are in, you know, in, in Chicagoland or in town um, I can tell you that uh, there's an in-person uh, compliance uh, class for the uh, JD students, but we're basically online for the MJ and the LLM program, which has been, to me, has worked out really well. Obviously, the pandemic brought the whole idea of online programming um, into the light, but uh, Boy, it's, uh, it's it's really where a lot of adult education is moving towards. It gives a lot of flexibility. Right. Uh, classes classes are usually, I mean, on a logistic level, classic, classes are usually uh, in the evening, an hour, hour and a half. Um, and also you'll have um, the asynchronous classes where teachers, professors will um, record uh, a lecture and then post various materials. And I can tell you, Um, I've watched a lot of them um, from various professors that we have here at Loyola and terrific material. And and I I, really the students that I've talked to have been very pleased with the uh, really with the the, the, how in depth and the uh, the availability of the program. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would say to you, you know, to your original point on all this. Is that it's amazing how, particularly in the healthcare world, people move about in different roles in different areas. Um, gone are the days, uh, CJ, when I when I started, where a person started and now they were on a, on a, a partnership track, and that's all they did. They you know work for one firm. No, uh, people people move and 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 with good reason. I mean, I think the best leaders you see are really problem solvers, and and we really we really do pride ourselves uh on having a practical um outlook we really try to, pe- to help train people become leaders in whatever roles that, the, that they might be in
1: oh that's so great uh steve we're going to take a, a short break uh and uh, to our listeners we'll be right back in a moment Thanks for listening to Compliance Conversations. We hope the expert information and discussions are a valuable asset to your compliance career. Healthicity also offers software solutions to help people like you manage their compliance programs. Compliance Manager is a comprehensive, all-in-one, customizable solution that will save you time, stress, and make your compliance program more effective. Head over to healthcity.com for a quick demo video to see how Compliance Manager can bring simplicity to your everyday work. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everybody, from our break. Um, I'm here with Steve Naughton, who uh, works has got a great uh, background, legal background, compliance background, and now is in the, the formal education of compliance. And we're you know we thought this would be a great topic because. So many of our listeners, you know, are maybe just discovering compliance, and they love it, and they want to further their career and get more formal recognition for for training and education. Um, and Steve shared with us a little bit about kind of the legal routes, um, and and we're focusing a little bit on the on the MJ, the Masters of Jurisprudence. I think he said. Um, and and Steve, if I could dive a little deeper into that program um tell us a little bit about the the, like the class size what are the background like if our listeners they're thinking oh do i even this is soft law school i'm not i'm a nurse i'm a you know i'm a medical coder i'm this i'm that is that for me i mean (laughs) tell us a little bit about what the requirements are to get in um you know what's the the rigor um you know and a little bit of the background of of the cohorts or however it might work
0: Sure, that's a, another great question, and and I should say just by way of background, CJ, that uh, the MJ, the Masters of Jurisprudence, is also known by other schools as a, as an MLS, uh, okay. Masters of Legal Studies. So you'll see it both ways. You'll see an MJ and MLS. I think that Loyola probably is in the minority with an MJ, just so that there's no confusion. Somebody sees it, and, well, boy, what, what are they trying to do here? So okay. they're 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 the, they're the same thing. Um, okay. Uh, the same program. And so for our program, and I think for the vast majority of other programs, it's 30 hours. Um, You you need to to graduate in 30 hours, um, which are taken, like I said, over the course of a couple years. And as far as what do you need? What, what, uh, what, what is the the requirement you, you you need to, you need to have a, a bachelor degree. Um, I have not seen, I have not seen any students come through the program or into the program in the three years that I've been in in the program without um, without a bachelor degree degree in in some form. Um, We have students, by the way, that uh, foreign students, I had a class last year that I actually (laughs) had more, probably, Four or five students, a couple in Russian, a couple in uh, Poland, Eastern Europe. So we draw across the across the world. Wow. But uh, our classes are generally in the in in uh, probably the um, uh, fifteen to twenty five student size. Most of them are under twenty. Um, we, like I said, we have you have to take a thesis or a capstone. To finish, which is your last your last year of uh, studies, and that you'd have one advisor assigned to you. You might have that that class, for lack of a better term, have that advisor, that the professor, uh, working with one other person as well as you for the year that you have to that you you go through your thesis or your your capstone. Uh, it's basically um, primarily written work as far as what work is turned in. There okay. are papers. Um, a few a few professors still use exams, but not many. Um, there are some group some professors who will use, you know, group assignments. I will tell you this, CJ, for those that might uh, uh, be aware of or familiar with MBA programs. It's not like an MBA program where, where you're with a big group or you're with a team and you're working constantly. No, okay. there are a few times that you're that that you would be involved in that. We have classes offered in the fall, spring, and summer, um, so that people can take that. And I, like I said, um, for the most part, evening classes, so a lot of flexibility on them as far as the classes are concerned. I think we offer a total of. About 40 classes overall, I'd have to go back and, and see exactly the number, but obviously classes in, in basic compliance and um, healthcare, enterprise risk management. Uh, we started a couple different classes. I teach a class now with um, the former chief compliance officer at uh, Car- uh, Carnival Cruise Lines, Pete Anderson, and also the former chief compliance officer at CNH. Uh, Gwen Hassan. Gwen is kind of an expert in in social issues relating to ESG, and Pete is an environmental attorney. So we teach ESG. We teach ESG. Been very popular. This is our second year teaching it, and so we uh, and 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 loyal a very socially active school in the sense that you know it's the old Jesuit school wants to be. men and women for others. So people really do like that and are able to use it in in, in corporations and not just, oh, I have to go work for an NGO. So we right. we have a broad, we have a pretty broad um curriculum. Um and I, I can tell you we're like I said we're very practically oriented. We really do try to help folks that come through the program um as far as their network and as far as their career uh placement is concerned too.
1: Oh, that's great. Uh, so let me—you mentioned about forty classes. So does that mean there are like some core classes that everyone has to take, and then there's some electives, or what's that kind of like?
0: That's a great question. And that yes, there are. We have core requirements, including uh, if you come in for a, an MJ now, you'd have to take um, the the uh, initial compliance class. You'd have to take an enterprise risk management class. Uh, you also have um, uh, a class on uh, legal writing and legal research. And okay. then finally, you'd have a thesis class. So I, I don't know what the breakdown is totally. I think it's probably probably 12 hours of requirements, ultimately, with uh, the remainder that you can take as uh, electives.
1: That's great. Um, so as far as the type of students you've had that, that you would say are successful. Um, so let, let's just, I'll just use myself as an example, though. My wa- wife won't let me go to school anymore. I've already done too much. Said, <laughs> I got my MD and then I ended up, you know, working in compliance. And then I got a master's degree in education. And, and if it were up to me, if I won the lottery, I would just be going to school full time. And <laughs> But so somebody like me that may have a, like a, uh, Maybe education and, and a clinical background, but I, You know, I never studied law. I mean, I read, and so I I do now as a compliance officer, right? But are, are there successful students coming from different backgrounds like that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's that. That's absolutely right. Um, we have uh, a few MDs in our program. We have a the healthcare program. It's is called the Beasley Institute. That's um, always ranked very high in the. Uh, uh, U.S. News and World Report rankings. I think last year there were two, and I think they have a good number of of of, um, of doctors or M.D.s and uh, nurses as well. So you'll see uh, healthcare professionals um, in in various roles. I mean, not just uh, um, not just those with an M.D. or with uh, a nursing degree, but you'll also see administrators. We we right. you know, we, we can tell you right now. I, I know of several that have come in and said yeah you know i kind of know what compliance is about i don't think i necessarily want to shift over to compliance which a couple of them have right. um i do i can tell you that we have had a practicing uh, physician or two who've said you know what i want to. this is what i really want to do i want to move over into uh into compliance which is very interesting but you know when i, I say that cj you know, I, I I think I may have given a little short shrift to ethics and compliance, and boy, when you start talking about the medical field, you can't yeah. forget about the ethic the ethics side of it. Uh, yeah. You you would be a terrific candidate, and I would uh, actively encourage your wife to allow you to do it. And if not, maybe think about maybe maybe thinking about teaching a class in the area. But bottom line is, yeah, in a lot of different areas, I've also seen a few salespeople in. Uh, um, in the pharmaceutical area that have yeah. gotten, gotten involved in uh, um, taking the, the classes. Uh, and then on our LLM, obviously you have lawyers that practice in this area. Uh, and actually last year, one of my classes, I had two sitting chief compliance officers, which nice. you can imagine really raised the level of uh, the conversation and the discussion. So yeah, a wide range, but I, I want to actively encourage people that you're interested in and I would encourage you not just, Loyola, there are a lot of really good programs across the country offering different things. Uh, but I can tell you this, Loyola really does have a great healthcare program that's uh, that's part of this compliance program.
1: Well, and I was just gonna, uh, that was gonna be my next point is, it sounds really interesting because you have kind of these core uh, foundational classes and then you allow individuals to take electives and at law schools that have such robust healthcare uh, programs like Loyola, you know, I'm, I'm making this up and you can correct me, but it sounds like you could probably take a class on HIPAA or a class on the False Claims Act or a class on these laws, you know, anti kickback statute or the Stark Law. It sounds like you could dive deep into some of those laws after these foundational classes. Is that accurate?
0: Oh, that's absolutely accurate. Yes. And you, you hit upon three or four that we have specific classes on. Um, I could tell you we have healthcare and privacy. Um, we certainly have uh, um, the 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 anti kickback. Um, we've got a class, for example, on FCPA, which is not purely healthcare. Right. But boy, on the healthcare side, you're right. I probably should have should had a better litany, but I'll I'll provide to you when we when we have finalized this the the websites that people can look at and see what exactly what that uh, that uh, that we have. But uh, we have a we have a broad range in the healthcare area for sure.
1: Yeah. That would be great and we'll we'll give you that opportunity to make some links uh, if, if that's easy for you to do and we can put those in the show notes um and you mentioned the fcpa so i you know i also uh, after working for hospitals and doctors I, I became the chief compliance officer for an international medical device company and fcpa the foreign corrupt practices act it's big big deal in in, in those uh industries pharmaceutical and medical device because in most of the world, doctors and nurses work for state-run organizations uh, or country-run healthcare systems. And under the FCPA, at least at the time when I was working in that area, they met the definition of a foreign official. So foreign officials are not always, you know, the department, you know, the minister of the health department uh, for our country. It it can also be, you know, doctors who work for um. You know, yes. for a national health system and so just these nuances of the law and then you, you get these these unique um scenarios that sound I, like i said i want to enroll <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, sounds, sounds like you want to go back and be a chief compliance officer and i i would say to you that uh, we do see uh, individuals for exactly the scenario you laid out that gee I'm i'm interested in doing something that's a little more international I work at some healthcare group or something along those lines. And you'll see people say, no, I I, I need to, I'm interested in, or I'd I'd like to do something a little more international. And this is actually compliance is a way that I've I've seen people get that international take on it. Um, The FCPA, obviously one of the issues that you'd have to face.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, we're getting a little close to the end of our time. I want to ask you about one thing you mentioned about job placement, and then I'm gonna give you a moment to you know, tell us anything else that I might not have asked you about, but could I ask you about job placement? You mentioned it. I'm just curious about how, you know, you're helping students and if you
0: have any anecdotes that you can maybe share. Sure. No, that that, that Loyola, first of all, does a, does a terrific job with its, with its, uh, outplacement program and with its, uh, uh, career placement office uh, on a formal level um, but really informally i i can I could tell you this on a, a couple different uh, levels. Uh, we really do try to help people that come in and students that come in network and uh, you know I, i'm 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 a graduate as I, I noted from Notre Dame. I would love to have a model and have the school modeled after the uh, the alumni system and the alumni network of Notre Dame and how well they help each other, uh, right. but the, the 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 professors and the adjuncts that we talked about have been just terrific in helping people as they look out and as they either kind of look for career counseling. You obviously would have a uh, an advisor, and the advisors are, are top notch. But right. even more on a formal, informal level, um, I, I and I won't mention any names because I'll leave people out. But on uh, what a really terrific. Um, um, opportunity people have had by talking to some of our adjuncts who, you know, kind of either set them in the, another direction or helped them with contacts. Um, I, I, you know, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but I can tell you the, that we place very well and that people that are in sitting compliance jobs have used this, have parlayed this into helping them to get promotions, which I'm, I'm very proud to see
1: yeah, that's so great. And just I think the fact of being a student with, with these other students who are coming from varied backgrounds, you know, you're already networking just by being a student um, and, uh, you know, working with other students in your class. You, know, you, you mentioned, you right, you have a chief compliance officer in your class, um, you know, they might have openings, you never know. <laughs> exactly, exactly right. <laughs> well, Steve, we're we're getting to the end. I could talk to you all day. What's that? <laughs> What did I leave out? What uh, other things uh, do you have of, of interest, in, if any, uh, as we get ready to, to close in a minute or two here?
0: No, well, all I would say, CJ, is that I would encourage anybody who uh, is listening to this podcast, if you're interested in this area, if you're interested in continuing, uh, I, please reach out to me or reach out to somebody at Loyola or they like I said, the other schools. Um, I, I really do look at this as a time when you know these areas are growing so quickly in different in different routes, and we really do need people that are that are that are really you know intellectually curious and uh, um, and 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 even you know to to kind of a technical side trained in the area to help us in the leadership in the future because compliance I think is going to be really at the forefront of a lot of cutting edge issues, we haven't talked about AI or things like that, but boy, you can see how things are going to change very quickly now.
1: Yeah. And I agree with, you You know, it's like the skill set for a compliance officer is, um, it's developed, it's a little different. Uh, You have excellent attorneys who become compliance officers, but not every good attorney is going to be a good compliance officer because it's, it's not just interpreting the law. And of course, compliance professionals are always interacting with the legal departments for their expertise and help. Um, but a lot of it is, you know, it's operations, it's management, it's relationship right. building, and uh you mentioned risk assessment and, and and those sorts of things. And
0: um, those are really yep. important. And we are and we are seeing more and more people use either a legal degree to a certain extent, uh, or even these compliance specializations that are moving over and maybe they weren't in the operation side or the business side. Uh, I I, I see it now really as viewed as a plus. Used to be when I when I started, boy, if you were a JD, eh, you know, you were too conservative, you were too right. not too slow, and they didn't watch on the business side. I don't right. think that's the, I don't think that's the case anymore. As a matter of fact, I think with some organizations, it's it's viewed as a plus.
1: Absolutely, and especially in very very regulated industries, right? Um, right, where that understanding is a part of the strategic vision of the direction the organization is going to go in. So you know, you have to understand the compliance nuances and you know maybe what the the expense might be if you're going to you know if you're going to branch off into europe understanding what gdpr is and you know those privacy laws that has an added you know financial burden and it's not just branching out into that area and, and think there's nothing else to think about that you got to have compliance people at the table when you're doing strategic vision um planning for the organization absolutely agree um Steve is the is there a website we can put it in the show notes but is it easy to to say verbally for people if they're interested in is it Loyola law or what is it
0: you know what I I I, I will provide that to you CJ okay. and um, um I'll I'll get back because I actually was looking at it and I had the wrong one when I gave it to somebody last week so I will get to the right one yeah. and perhaps we can have you just put that in at the end of this um yeah. we'll we do that
1: Absolutely. So, uh, to our listeners, we'll we'll include these types of details in in the show notes. I know that I have um, Googled uh, Loyola Law School, and I remember it's in Chicago. There's a couple of Loyolas around, uh, but um, and I've I've met some some wonderful people um, at conferences who who've worked with the university there. And uh, so, anyway, Steve, thank you so much for sharing kind of this this area of compliance and professional uh, preparedness that didn't probably exist 10 or 15 years ago i don't know
0: dj you're welcome i really enjoyed the conversation and the discussion and i i wish you well with your uh, your podcast they're really really terrific
1: thank you and and thank you to all our listeners for listening to another episode if you if you like these episodes please you know uh hit the like button and and share with colleagues that's the one way that we can get the word out on on this and uh, as always, if you have ideas of guests that you'd like to have on the podcast, or if you know people, don't be shy. You can you can reach out to me or reach out to the folks at Healthicity, and and we'll we'll get them on the show at some point because we want to provide what is important to you. So thanks everybody, and uh, have a great and safe day. Thank you, CJ. Compliance Conversations is sponsored by Healthicity. HealthyCity designs software and services that simplify
0: compliance and auditing challenges that reduce your risk and save you money. Where others see complexity, we see simplicity. For more information, visit HealthyCity.com.